Hello and welcome to all our listeners of Church Matters. My name is Dan Dick. Whether you're listening on the radio or via podcast, it's so good to be with you. For today's Church Matters, we will continue on our Revelation theme from the last episode by playing part two of a sermon heard by participants at Mennonite Church Canada's July 2011 Assembly in Waterloo, Ontario. The theme of the Assembly was Remembering God's Future, and it was based on Revelation 21 and 22. In part two of this episode, we'll broadcast the second half of Nelson Crable's sermon called Remembering God's Future, This is Our Story. Nelson Crable is President Emeritus of Associated Mennonite Biblical Seminary in Elkhart, Indiana, or AMBS, as it's sometimes called. He served there from 1997 to 2009. He has taught high school in Puerto Rico, pastored a church in Vermont, and was program director at the London Mennonite Center in England. He has taught widely on issues of mission, allegiance, early church, and the book of Revelation. He has a Ph.D. in New Testament from Union Theological Seminary in Richmond, Virginia, and he is an author with his most recent book title called Apocalypse and Allegiance, Worship, Politics, and Devotion in the Book of Revelation. Presently, Nelson is the lead pastor at Prairie Street and Mennonite Church in Elkhart, Indiana. Listeners to Part 1 may recall that Nelson just finished painting the scriptural picture of the church as a great city, a new kind of empire, the new Jerusalem coming down out of heaven. Now Nelson brings the picture of God's salvation breaking into history as well as into the present. To frame Part 2 of Nelson's teaching, let's hear Revelation 22, verses 1 to 5. Then the angel showed me the river of the water of life, bright as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, through the middle of the street of the city. On either side of the river is the tree of life with its twelve kinds of fruit, producing its fruit each month, and the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. Nothing accursed will be found there any more, but the throne of God and of the Lamb will be in it, and his servants will worship him. They will see his face, and his name will be on their foreheads. And there will be no more night. They need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, and they will reign forever and ever. Let's join Nelson Crable now as he paints a picture of God's future for humanity in the second and final installment of this two-part episode. John's vision calls followers of Jesus to be faithful to their Lord. Don't bow down to that beast. Don't Embrace the values of that empire. Follow the lamb. Be lamb-like. The plagues and travail of unraveling empire may seem interminable as we read this book, as the plagues must have seemed to John in exile and to thousands of Russian Mennonites or perhaps to Christians in Pakistan today. But John saw that something of God's salvation was already breaking into history. The Romans had destroyed Jerusalem in AD 70, but now in John's vision, the city is back. It's not back as an ethnic enclave or as a hilltop in Judea. The new Jerusalem is back as a kind of, a kind of new citizenship, a, a, a new identity that's big enough to encompass the world as John 
knew it. We heard tonight it's 1,500 miles across and wide and 1,500 miles deep. It's huge. This is John's way of symbolizing what Jesus taught us to pray. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is God's gift, God's action, not our planning. Revelation then, the whole book is mostly about the present. That is John's present. But at the end of the book, we get a glimpse of creation restored. We get a view of this new heavens and new earth. It's an urban landscape with gardens and reconciliation between people and God and reconciliation between peoples as folks from every tribe and language and nation come together in worship around the throne centered on Jesus. This is the future that we must remember as we work for peace and justice in a war-torn world, as we make risky vocational choices, and as we work at mission and healing. This is the future that is already taking place. It's already starting to happen. John says, I saw the new Jerusalem, and it's coming down, present active participle. The new Jerusalem of Revelation represents the church and the kingdom of God. It's God's initiative. I saw the holy city and it's coming down. And I heard a loud voice say, see the home of God is among mortals. God is here. God will dwell with us. We will be God's peoples and God, very God, will be with us. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more for the first things have passed away. Occasionally I meet Canadians who are proud to be Canadians because they're not Americans. <laughs> they're untainted by the tawdry, gun-toting beast to the south. As if it's possible to have the fruits of empire without the moral responsibility for the actions of empire. When, moral, when uh, President Obama was inaugurated, Prime Minister Harper sent this message to Washington. The United States remains Canada's most important ally, closest friend, largest trading partner, and I look forward to working with President Obama and his administration. Now, at a time when Mennonites in Canada and the United States are at risk in a particularly new way, risk of bowing down to the imperial gods of greed and individualism and nationalism. We need the discipline of the kind of worship we've had here this evening. That is immersion in this biblical narrative, this Heilsgeschichte, this big meta-narrative, the big sweep of history, salvation history, we need to again and again reorient ourselves to that and recalibrate our hearts and lives because the empire seeks daily to colonize our souls. We need to declare citizenship in the city where the names of the 12 tribes of Israel are written on the gates 
and the 12 apostles of the Lamb are the foundations because with that, you see, we have the Old Testament and the New Testament and the complete sweep of story with the New Jerusalem embodying this. And at a time when Mennonites and other Christians in the US and Canada are struggling with who is in and who is out in the church, Revelation 21 is also a reminder that it's at least as important, no, I would say it is more important, what's at the center of this holy city namely God and the Lamb, and it's more important what's at the foundations, the teaching of the apostles, than exactly where the boundaries are and how the gates open and close. To be sure, the holy city in Revelation has boundaries. The New Jerusalem has a wall. Now you try to do the math, of how high that wall is and you get, it gets complicated. But the city is huge. It's enormous. It's not a little cluster of holy people in Elkhart or Winnipeg or wherever. No, the city is huge. It's big enough to encompass the world as John knew it, to encompass everything from Jerusalem to Rome, which was essentially John's world, and then send that deep and that wide and that high. It, it's a city of unbelievable magnitude. And the church needs strong biblical teaching at its core. The Mennonite church will, will find our renewal and continuing renewal, not primarily in programs and structures, important as they are, but in worshiping God and the Lamb with abandon. Worship will become the central act of our lives as we realize it is God, not us, who is building the church and saving the world. And then we will give our bodies daily as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. We will daily make choices about time and money and vocation and retirement that align our lives with God's mission in the world. John Funk built his business in Chicago during the American Civil War. And he was so deeply grieved by the waste of war that he launched what eventually became Mennonite Publishing House, partly as a place to publish Christian anti-war literature. His first five books were in opposition to war, the first five that he published. And at a time when business in Chicago flourished because of the war, Funk had the gall to regularly visit Confederate prisoners of war, that is the enemy, the South, enemy soldiers, just four miles south of Chicago, he would regularly go down there and minister to the enemy soldiers. Funk himself died in poverty at uh, the age of 90, wearing hand-me-down clothes. The New Jerusalem might have streets of gold, but it also might make you lose your shirt. Two months ago, I took a blistering telephone call from an Indiana state senator who was sponsoring legislation to prosecute and deport undocumented aliens. This senator is a Christian, and in a newspaper column, I had offered a set of scriptures from Deuteronomy and from the Gospels 
that he might consider passages about caring for the sojourner and the orphan. And in the column, I asked the senator where his papers were showing that native peoples of Indiana had given him or his ancestors permission to be there. And I asked how good he was, how fluent he was with Potawatomi. John of Patmos lived in an empire where asking such impertinent questions got him in trouble and cost people their lives. I live in a democracy where taking such a stance simply gets me an angry phone call or maybe prompts me to make career choices that might baffle upwardly mobile friends or neighbors. You know, John Funk remained a businessman. He just used his business expertise then for the work of the church. In the end, the, the lamb wins, and because we remember that future, we take risks all the time in worship, in Eucharist, in barrier-busting fellowship. We begin to experience the new Jerusalem now. And if the lamb is at the center and we are built on the foundation of the apostles, it's okay if the gates maybe remain open. After all, someday, even the nations will walk by the light of this city, and kings of the earth will stream into it. Come, Lord Jesus. Amen. That concludes part two, the final installment of this two-part sermon, first presented at the Mennonite Church Canada Assembly 2011 in July in Waterloo, Ontario. Thanks so much to all our listeners wherever you are. I invite you to support the future of Church Matters with a gift. You can give through the mail, in person, or over the phone at 1-866-888-6785 or online at MennoniteChurch.ca. And we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear what you think of the program, ideas for what we should do in the future, and more. My name is Dan Dick, and you've been listening to Church Matters, where our prayer is that you will be called, equipped, and sent to be the church in the world today. Tune in wherever you are, and thanks for listening. See you next time. As you go out from here, may the Lord go with you. The face of God shine on you every day. We are sent by God wherever we are living, salt and light as people of the way.